Welcome everyone to LOA Uncorked with Holly and Gina. We're excited you've joined us for a conversation to unleash your inner badassery and uncork your magic. This is the no bullshit, all truth, nothing but fun podcast. And don't worry, we've got you. You are our VIP. Hello, everyone. Welcome to LOA Uncorked. This is Holly. And this is Gina. And we are here to introduce one of our favorite, favorite people. Yeah. What an incredible interview this was. We actually traveled yeah. time and space. It was, uh, what is it, only our third, like, remote, in-person, in yeah. uh, out in the field. Like, you know, it was like we were eyewitness news people out there. <laughs> like, we were out there. We were we out were in the world. Special. I felt like we VIP. We were in the stew. We were, in the, we were felt, out in the world. I yeah. felt like VIP. We're in the world. We're, uh, like, being normal humans <laughs> out in the world, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. So yeah. we went to interview Nassim Alikhani, mm -hmm. and she is the owner and the mastermind behind Sofre Restaurant in New York City. Sofre, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, mm -hmm. all the accolades, but Sofre is a term for an iconic Persian fabric that served as the backdrop for seasonal feasts and celebrations. Over time, the term itself has taken on a cultural significance. It refers to a gathering, a sharing, mm. a place for family and friends to come together. You're welcome to meet us there. And we met her there. Oh. And you know what? You're going to want to follow us on Instagram because we have pictures yeah. of yeah. this wonderful food that we had. But she's quite a beautiful force, and it took her 25 years, mm -hmm. and she's going to tell her story, mm. to bring her vision into focus. And yeah. once she did, she's time and time again on the New York City's 10 best restaurants to go eat at. Mm -hmm. You cannot get a reservation. She's had international acclaim She from the very beginning. Yes. Okay? And she did the Met Gala. and She was uh, asked by, I mean, the one of the most incredible chefs, Marcus Samuelson. Oh. I mean, if you watch Food Network, you know exactly who he is. He's incredible. Personally called her to ask her to do the Met Gala. It's amazing. It's and incredible. her dress is even more amazing. Yes. Okay. Then that photos. We, listen, you have to, to Holly's <laughs> point, you definitely need to, to follow us so you can Absolutely. see all these beautiful photos. But yeah, it was an incredibly, and I had not met Nassim. Uh, Holly had talked about her and really since the uh, inception of the podcast, as we're talking to people that just really inspire mm, all of us to think about what's our purpose and how do we serve it. Um, in a meaningful way. And Holly talked quite a bit about Nassim and her presence in her restaurant and the food she shares with people, the way in which she does it, that is a felt that you cannot forget. And we did the interview first upstairs above the restaurant and then went down to the restaurant to, to eat and almost felt like we were her guests the entire evening. And it was but everybody else felt that way too. Right, Everyone, that's Sorry exactly that's the point. That's say. exactly the yeah. point. And mm -hmm. and I I now understand. I mean I I mean her story is incredible. So, but beyond the podcast, what was felt, this woman, this subtle power, this heart, this soft. She's this soft. She's 
powerful. She's fierce, fierce. She's, she's sweet. She's intuitive. Like no one, I mean, she knows what's needed. She's I mean, nurturing. Honestly, it was a beautiful evening and like the food, oh, forget well, it. I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm forget so it. hungry just thinking about it. Yes. But I, I think but, about her presence there mm-hmm. and what made, I mean, this, you're going to hear all about this story, but I feel like it's her presence, mm-hmm. it's her it love that is. comes through the nourishment of the food and her running around making sure everybody, not just the important people, and there were some important people there, there Gigi, yes, besides there us, we, we really aren't important. We, we pretend were. We pretend like we were, <laughs> but we aren't. We felt important, though. We did. She made us everybody feel important, mm-hmm. but there were really mm-hmm. important people there that mm-hmm. evening, and mm-hmm. then there were other just guests that probably mm-hmm. waited a long time to eat her meal, and we're celebrating, and she makes sure every detail is taken care of absolutely every detail we watched her we were mesmerized by her we were nurtured by her i thought a lot about you know what if everyone was so dedicated to carving out their own space where it's their mark on the world and they did it in a way she does it you know makes you think about it's her work but it's not her work but it is her work and Mm -hmm. she makes it feel like her life's purpose and you're a part of that purpose. I love that. I love that, Gina. I I know we fell in love with her Mm -hmm. and we know you will too. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed her, her presence, her food, her hospitality, her fierceness. Here we go. Today is LOA Uncorked Mm -hmm. in New York City. On location. Okay, listen, this location we've been desiring to go to for a very long time. Very long time. Right, Gina? Yes. Feel blessed to be here today. Very, very blessed. Mm -hmm. I met this wonderful, extraordinary woman in 2018, I think, and I could never forget her. Mm, I know. After hearing her story, well, the food is something else. And Gina, we get to eat today. I know it's very exciting. I know, I know. Not as exciting as this I mean, interview. You've never but... seen me walk so fast to the train on it, ever. I know. <laughs> and then we got lost, and it's an issue. But anyway, we are here, and we're so delighted to have Nassim Ali Khani. Thank you so much. My pleasure for Thank being you. here today. Of course, of course. She owns and started Sofre Restaurant mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And it is. It has been rated like the top restaurant mm-hmm. from here to eternity, but at least New York City. <laughs> and I personally love it because it's, it's Persian food. It's on Molly's food. top, too. <laughs> it's on my, at least my top. Okay, it's Persian food, and it's beautiful. She is going to tell us about her story, but I just want to say how amazing she is, and we've talked about her in the podcast yes. before about... Yes, we have. And we didn't drop and we didn't name drop Gina. No, we didn't. No, we are not name droppers. But today we've dropped the name and we've got the interview. Welcome, Nassim. Thank you. So happy that you're here with us today. Me too. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. Okay. So So typically, Mm -hmm. Nassim, we talk, we ask just a little bit of uh, your background and just kind of as much as possible, give the listeners a little bit of your history, kind of the highlights um, to help us bring to today, and then we'll start the start the interview. Absolutely, from yeah. I am I'm Nassim Ali Khani, chef owner of Sofre Restaurant in Brooklyn. Um, I opened Sofre 
about 2018, June of 2018, um, with no prior restaurant background whatsoever, mm. <sighs> uh, except few interning here and there uh, by just sheer passion of cooking and feeding people. But kind of a disservice if I say I have no prior experience mm-hmm. because I have been an avid and obsessive cook yeah. For as long as I remember. Maybe yeah. I was about 10 or 11 years old. I started helping my mother, another woman in, in my life. And instead of playing on the street with other kids, I was in the kitchen. So, mm-hmm. yes, I don't have like a typical restaurateur background, but I consider myself a serious, passionate and quite knowledgeable cook. Yeah. I'm, I may yes. sound like a little obnoxious. Clearly. <laughs> no, you are. You have to be. <laughs> yeah. But um, I travel for food. Most people, when they travel, they go to museums. I right. go for search for food and right. the local food and the most exquisite food all over the world. I taste them. I mm. feel them. And then I come home and I have to make them. And it, this has been my life, all my life. But aside from restaurant and food, I... Like a typical Iranian girl in Iran, I could never envision working in a restaurant. It was not even in my mm. understanding. Right. It was so far out of what I was, a, yeah. a typical middle-class Iranian sure. girl. I went to law school. I was planning to become a judge. Revolution happened, yeah. and no longer that was an option. Right. And then with the situation in Iran, I was forced to leave. Mm. I came here to U.S. Um, 1983, I was 23 years old, all by myself, and survival was the focus point. Mm-hmm. Money stopped coming from Iran, and suddenly, that was the best thing actually happened to me at that age, because I was just kicked out of my comfort mm-hmm. zone, and um, so I had to figure it out, and I did. Mm-hmm. And this was the food, basically, what sparked me. Food connected me to myself, to my root, to where I came from, where I want to go, food became a center point. Mm. Um, I was pretty poor and I was a student, but I made sure out of necessity, A, but also B, out of remaining connected, just cook the food I knew and cook the food that that served me. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I became a nanny and then a cook in that that home and eventually, make story short, uh, fast forward, I started having a business. As I said, survival was a main focus for me. I wanted to make sure that I'm financially stable. Mm-hmm. I did not do well worrying about next paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I, yes. I, the first five years or six years of my mm-hmm. life, it was all about going to school, making money, going to school, working 60, 70 hours a week just to have a cushion, to have a... And I completely funded my school and my university, but I also had some saving, opened the business, married my husband. Mm. I became a mother at yeah. some point. And um, it's a long process of like, it took me much longer to become a mother. Part of me felt like um, just this loss of sense of home. I figured mm. if I have my own home, my own kids, my yeah. own roof, then I can replicate that loss of sense of home that every immigrant uh, yeah. feels. And that became a second obsession. Okay, now you're financially stable, mm. mm-hmm. becoming a mother. But I harbored this passion and this love for cooking and feeding people. And then around that time that I sold my first business and trying to figure out what to do next because I was having trouble getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, really, it was we were going through infertility issues. Mm-hmm. But then around that time, I was just thinking, I'll give it a push like I always do. I give my 100% to whatever I want to do. I just do everything I can. 
And if it doesn't work, there's, a, there's another plan. Mm. I'll try to become a mom. If it doesn't happen, I open a restaurant. Very different ideas, yeah. but right. I yeah. very focused on both. Yeah. Along, the, along that time, along that way of thinking, uh, pregnancy happened, twins. Mm. And then I put the restaurant thing in a back burner. But as soon as the kids were born, um, and I sort of, it took me a couple of years. I had twins, so it just... Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it was a bit of like, woo, okay, what do I do (laughs) now? It's no joke. It took took me a few years. um, Stay home mom. But then I started passionately doing all kinds of things. Food-related, not food-related, involving in charities that I was fortunate enough to have an extremely big kitchen and um, family who would love to eat and help. And I started volunteering for various yes. causes. And But it was always involved food, mm-hmm. uh, school events, charity events, mm-hmm. um, soccer teams, basketball yeah. team, kids coming and going, food, food, food yeah. everywhere. Yeah, but the, kids, the, the other kids on the teams are like, oh, thank God. Can we have her? Yeah. Yes. 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 Mama Nassim is here. Yeah. 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 At some point uh, yeah. with the soccer team, I had like a whole back of the oh. car lineup oh, and I would gosh. just open the back of the car and the kids, who cares about the game? They would How run. Oh, they would exactly. run to the food. And then, but, then here come the parents. I'm just yeah. saying, yeah. I know that. Yeah, team pulls up. Yeah, exactly. So, but then by the time the kids were uh, starting middle school, that yeah. funny year of like how their behavior changed and somewhat I could also see that this thing is ending yeah. and then what not what's mm-hmm. next so for restaurant became a focus yeah. um, became a focus in a way that when they, I would drop off the kids I would find restaurants to volunteer my time mm-hmm. and then I would wow. just go there and intern in various restaurants anybody let me in I didn't really care what kind of I just needed to see and somebody asked me, you wanted to learn to cook? I'm like, no, I just wanted to know what is it I don't want to do? What is it I don't want to become? Yeah, okay. Because I, I, love that. I kind of, to me, that's like, what kind of a restaurant I want to be? What kind of a cook I want to be? Right. I, I know what kind of a cook I am, but yes. in a, not in a professional way, right. but by, by going to professional settings and watching the environment, the, the, the space, the interaction... And it was invaluable. It was amazing how much I just... And because they were also giving me the most menial jobs, I had all the time to just watch, listen, watch, learn. That took many years. Along that, I started looking for a location. And um, my husband was trying to shortchange me a little bit and say, you know, let's just rent a place. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not putting my life dream in Uh, something temporary. So I looked I for it. I love that, actually. I, mm-hmm. I needed a foundation. I, maybe it's my, my cancer in me. I need a root. I needed mm-hmm. something to develop roots. You home. need home. home. I, absolutely, home. Yeah. And Brooklyn, yeah. why in Brooklyn, people ask? Because Brooklyn is the most beautiful part of New York City. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have seen other boroughs, they're all okay, but Brooklyn has mm-hmm. a pulse. Mm-hmm. And also the diversity of Brooklyn. Yes. And the diversity mm-hmm. and the beauty. The, and I come from Esfahan. Esfahan is one Isfahan. of the most mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Just like everywhere you go, you just see these incredible landscapes in Esfahan. Mm-hmm. I, you literally, I literally come out of my parents' home and I'm faced with a monument that is 800 years old and mm-hmm. it's magnificent. And I just felt that in Brooklyn. And I focus only in like few small parts of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. 
And one day, this location we are at landed on my feet. It's beautiful. The building was landmark. The block was landmark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And later on, everybody laughed at me because I didn't even bring a structural engineer before making an offer. Oh. And uh, and you had to sign a longer-term lease here, which... No, we just purchased it. Oh, you purchased, without, you purchased the whole building. Purchased the whole building. Oh, without so smart. Mm-hmm. But without Without having, the structural, without the... But then that was... That cost... 10 times more money that we would have spent because yeah. the building was it's, falling apart. The building was landmark. The block was landmark. Right. It took six years. Oh, oh. gosh. So I to had get to, it going to after, just oh. to build the building, oh, fix it up based on the requirements. So oh, permits. And then I had to put another gear of perseverance and stamina. Yeah. Do I give up? There were days that I was just ready mm. to just drop the ball. And the very last rejection we had was one rejection that it just blew up the whole project. Mm-hmm. And uh, by some random excuse, we could have appealed it. But by that time, I was so depleted yeah. that I came out of the meeting. Uh, actually, I left my husband to continue. I just walked out. Yeah. And um, mm. I came home and I called a vice friend of mine and... Uh, She's an incredibly wise woman, and she was like, from my voice, she knew that I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. Yeah. And she said, Nassim, a thought crossed my mind. You always cooked anyway. What's stopping you from cooking? Continue cooking, but in a more systematic way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, find a church or a place that they can take your food. At that point, I went and I f- immediately, I hung up with her, sat on the internet, found a seminary school that they house oh. homeless oh, wow. every night, few, few homeless, 16 to 20 maximum. And I signed up every available slot they had because oh. people sign up for dinner yeah. Yeah, and okay. breakfast. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I signed up for as many I could, sometimes three, four times a week, oh, sometimes mm-hmm. one a week, sometimes. I literally signed up from, if it was around after Thanksgiving to about April. Oh. So I just, I just signed up for everything, and I got to work. So yeah. I would shop, come home, cook and clean. Preparing dinner for 16 to 20 people every day is a production in your it home. It is. <laughs> but at the same time, it just, I made it to a, pro- a production. Every meal had to be a special, and every meal I would personally drop it off wow. and go behind the glass and watch the homeless, watch them to eat. And it was just... Incredible, because mm. it was not just some random, you know. It would I would give it all out. I would just mm. cook like, and then I I always thought that what is a dinner without a good breakfast? So I would throw in a breakfast as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometime in April there was another hearing, and we were full on approved oh. right away. Got the permit, and a year later, Sofra happened. So you were doing this as you were appealing and trying to get the I was architectural. Whatever, you weren't even story. I was really at that point. I was done. I oh. just my husband. So you were healing through the cooking. I like was like, absolutely. I was done um, looking through drawing. I was done reading mm. about what documents we had to submit. I just I have this urge of cooking. And I'm practicing my craft, whether it be 100 people a night or 50 people a night or 16 people a week. That's what I'm doing. Because in those six years you were battling for the space and dealing with all of that, you lost the reason you were doing it. 
right? Pretty I much. mean, pretty, I mean, aside yeah. from maybe family and you know no, holidays no, yeah, and things no, like I that. Just, and I, it just brought me back. And I have amazing stories and mm, like that. in those interactions with, with the, I call them my guests, but they were like homeless people that they were. It was just so, so meaningful for me. And I still have incredibly fond memory of mm. those times. Once we got approved, then again, I had a reason again yeah. to get back, yeah. hone my craft and start getting ready. But now Sofra opened and I'm here. And um, But it opened a critical acclaim. Didn't it immediately yes, yes. get on the best, the best of the best, right? Yeah, yeah. No, immediately. Mm-hmm. We were yeah. extremely maybe fortunate, maybe years of preparation, maybe combination of that, maybe having two amazing young sous chefs joining me an incredible husband to support me through mm. all that. Like yeah. who would who would put up with something like this that at the age that we all heading to our retirement. Yeah, right. Let's just start at age fifty nine <laughs> and do it. <laughs> let's just do it. And him as like sixty four, like it's wow. like, are we crazy? I'm like, yes we are crazy. <laughs> yes. But um, But a good and, kind of crazy. But my brother too, uh, I just have an incredible team behind me supporting yeah. me every day. But their support and their their kindness, everything is one thing, but my drive, I never drop the ball, mm-hmm. drop any ball. Mm-hmm. I just pick up in the morning like a ball of fire every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, some days I don't have it, but then I just have to make it. And I mm-hmm. have a technique that it helped me all these years. Um, and my my technique has been, I just go for a run. I oh. run and run and mm. run until I can. I have done seven marathons, oh, wow. bunch of triathlon and, and this and that. But I did it all these years basically because I'm, I'm an athlete and I love mm. to exercise yeah. and I get extreme joy. But also all that, when you have like nine miles or 12 miles or 18 miles to run, you better do something with your brain or mm. you go nuts. Mm. That's and, right. And... and, and um, I started like cooking during running. I did charitable event during my project. I hiked the mountains. I during all of that there was always me and my time alone. And right now, even right now, when things get really, really tough and yeah. there are days that I just face the wall and then put my sneakers, go for yeah. a walk. I can't run anymore. Yeah. Um, it's been hard on my knees, but I go for two hours walking. Yeah. So, yeah. And very fast walk or get my bicycle. Now it's cold, but I, mm-hmm. yeah, or swim for an hour or two. Yeah. Just yeah. my problems remain the same. My issues after my run are still there. Yeah. Or, but then I'm not upset about it. Yeah. And yeah. I either, there are a couple of scenarios. Either I have found a solution. Um, sometimes I don't find the solution because it's not up to me. It's mm-hmm. the universe. It's the other person. It's the other problem that I can't. But then I have come to some kind of a place that I I can breathe. Mm-hmm. And um, that happens daily. Yeah. That happens mm-hmm. all the time. And um, But my daughter one day said, uh, you are you are just impossible because you just wake up and you're on the go. And I, it's like, <laughs> no, it has not been like this. It's a training. It has not always been like this. Yeah. Uh, it's a training that slowly I build up to it. It's like a muscle. The more you use it, the better it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there are moments that like, 
there are warnings I can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I have a choice of staying in bed, mm-hmm. be more miserable, mm-hmm. or get myself out, get myself on the street, go for a run, and then come back. And I always, we always have a choice. Always. Yeah, always. we do. Yeah. And I make the choice that is healthier, is less. And if I don't go for a run, God helps the rest of the people in my house. <laughs> Not even my kitchen. I better yeah. go and put my, yeah. my whatever it is on the street, yeah. resolve my own issues, yeah. then carry it and fester it with me and I'm not always successful there are times that no matter how much I run or how many cups of coffee or how much meditation lately (laughs) I also meditate yes unsuccessfully (laughs) no it's all successful (laughs) cancel cancel (laughs) I come back and still things are with me and lately I I'm praying, and I never did that because I um, I grew up in a secular home, and I don't believe in any religion. But I stop I stop believing that we can actually pray without mm. believing yeah. to any kind of a yeah. school yes. of thought. Yeah. Yes. And now that I I pray, I often pray for me uh, to mm-hmm. just come out of this whatever hole that yeah. I am, and I ask God like or universe. I am not in a good place right now. Mm-hmm. Send me light. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I keep saying this every day until the light comes. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't come. But yeah. then by that time, the problem is either Resolved. over or yeah. this is not there. But sometimes it just comes usually. It's also this, this sense of... Um, I stop asking questions about what is it I'm doing? Because yeah. there's this big question is like, when I was younger, especially in teenagers or youth, before I started like really desperately needing to survive, right. yeah. I used to read a lot, the philosophy stuff, and where am I, who am I, what is yes, my, purpose? my purpose, and I, like yeah. mm-hmm. all of this. It's been, I think, years I don't have that, especially when I cook. Even mm-hmm. if it's something, I don't know where where I have been. I know where I have been. I, it doesn't matter anymore because it's past. Right. I don't know where I'm going, honestly, none of us know, but I know I love this the smell of onion and herbs that I'm cooking, mm-hmm. and I honestly don't care where I'm going, where I'm heading. I'm here, and it's amazing cooking and being in a restaurant has brought that to me so much in focus. It's very similar to when your babies are just born. Yes, As yeah. a mother, you don't dwell on you just you know wake up feet clean feet clean and you Mm -hmm. just go for it and when your baby smiles you're like in heaven until you crash and then you keep doing this and um, what I do it reminds me very much of that Mm -hmm. I don't question what I'll do I don't question what the crap that happens daily I just do it and if you don't say why me if I have to clean up after something, I'll do. If I have to act as a dishwasher, I do. If yeah. I have to go and mm-hmm. serve the tables, I will. If I, on the floor, I see a couple who have a baby and they you know, babies all over them and I'll grab the baby and let them have a good time. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. So, but sometimes I'm also tired and done and somebody's, sure. somebody will say something that I'm just like, gets me on that side. I also snap back mm-hmm. and they go like, <gasps> and then I'm like, yeah. He's also human. And and I used to beat myself up mm-hmm. on this. Sure. And no. so be yeah. so hard. And it just like, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's just, yeah. it really doesn't matter. Being in that moment and 
yeah, it's... Uh, I love that. I, you know, we, we, uh, the spoiler alert for our audience is that Nassim is a Cancer Sun and a Libra rising. We don't know what your moon, do you know your moon? Do you know your moon sign? Mm, how do you know that? Uh, you have to know your chart. Well, look, is it, okay. I think oh, it's well, yeah. Okay. Goal oriented. Okay. So I, let me I'm talk about, sure, let me talk about Nassim. You know, I don't, I met her once. This yeah. is the second time I've ever met her. <laughs> and for me, when, when you talk about purpose, it's like you always knew your purpose. So when I talked about you before in the podcast, I was like, she's a cancer son. She's a, she actually nourishes people. She's a nurturer. She gives love through home. And so it rips my heart out when you had to move from mm -hmm. Iran to here yeah. with, and your home moved. Okay, like I could cry. Mm -hmm. And because... That was your purpose. And so when you actually came here and that smell of those herbs, and I mean, I feel like culturally, um, yes. and my half my family is Iranian, you know, so I understand it a little bit, a little bit, okay? Right. But, you know, that serving of the food and that time and that sense of community together. and the, It's really the a ritual dialogue. in the kitchen. It's, it's, a, it's ritual. a beautiful it's a, thing yeah. that the mother does. And you, I think you had a strong connection to your mother. I feel yeah, I that. Yeah, I didn't know that, that, but yeah. I feel it. So strong connection to mother. And so I just, you know, from that being ripped away and then yes, now so you're serving, You, I know you served the COVID first-line workers too. I know you did that. Yeah, but, did, did. You know, so she, her, her generosity I mean, keeps going even beyond the restaurant. Yeah. And the tenacity you had, the resilience you have, um, and, and marching along with this beautiful, like a Libra rising is about beauty. So her restaurant is gorgeous and beautiful. I haven't even been in it, but the outside it's is It's gorgeous. Just and, um, so there's, and, and her food is beautiful. I mean, sure. you've looked at pictures. Okay. Oh, yes, so I have. I've eaten it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I know. I don't want to rub that Only in. Only a little bit longer. Uh, I'm going to rub that, that in. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I know. And so, you know, so it's about beauty and home. And so. Sofre is about home too. So it's almost like a coming home, you know, but it takes a lot out of you to have a restaurant, that's for sure. And it could wear even the most resilient person down. So I can understand that too. But yeah, so f when I think about purpose, I think, oh, you found your purpose and you're weaving your way through it. Mm -hmm. And then the next stage is what is it that I love and what is it that I let go of mm -hmm. that drains me, you know? Yeah, that's a daily thing. Mm. Um, I, I'm also a little perfectionist yes. and OCD to the yes. max. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I am obsessed with details. Yes. And that details goes from uh, what I wear to how I chop the onion and, yes. <laughs> and then how my kitchen should be and how everybody should be doing my way. One thing I learned about uh, all of this, and it's been really amazing, they say... When you get old, you can't really learn much. Uh, that's wrong. I hope that's not. So <laughs> I hope I keep learning. I just, like, I suddenly this opening a restaurant was a huge wake-up call. Oh a huge school, again. Because all my life, I picked projects that they were mostly my choices. Mm -hmm. Of course, I had supports here and there and help. But it was my projects. I would start it. A very organized, get it done. <laughs> Restaurant, not so. Mm -hmm. You rely on your team. You um, are dead without your team. Yes. And for someone like me who's solo, perfectionist, yes. OCD, how I get people to, how I 
even begin to describe like yeah. what to no. do yes. and and then expect them to run with it it was it's it has she been throw us out of the kitchen oh yeah i mean yeah, yeah, i mean yeah. no yeah. doubt i mean yeah. our onion cutting uh uh-uh. no. no it's just yeah, been really that, yeah. really difficult and it still is i'm still yeah. learning um, how to talk to people my team how to get them motivated yes. how to organize them how to care for them and how to be because i can go from like a sweet mother to a beast in mm-hmm. a split second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's that drive that well, that drive and that perfectionism that gets well, it you comes on from the, one. the it is your love. Yeah. It, and it right? is and they're like holding it in your in their hands and so how do you It's hard to let go that on other people, right? So mm-hmm. that's been like a daily struggle and it yeah. still is yeah. and uh, I'm learning so much. I think um, if I had done it one time I was thinking if I had done this when I was young Probably I would have been sick of it by now or drive myself and others crazy by now and it would be over. <laughs> but what I'm discovering now that actually it has softened me. Yeah. Yes. This, this experience, as hard as it has been and it still is daily, especially with COVID and all mm-hmm. that. I can only imagine. And um, basically looking at the way that the whole restaurant staffing works and all that. We are like super short. We are super struggling every day. However... It has made me more flexible and just mm-hmm. like me rolling my shoulder. I say, whatever, we do what we can do. This would have never happened. If things did not go based on my plan, I would drive myself and others yeah. insane. And now I'm like, I have, I'm facing difficulties every day yeah. and things that are completely unexpected. And it's been remarkable to just learn to breathe in the midst yeah, of that. craziness. That softening. Yeah. that softening part. Mm-hmm. And it still is. I have a long way to go. And I mean, if you ask my, my staff, they're like, oh, oh. So <laughs> 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 I love that though. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't here in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. for me, I know, I know how far I have come and how, how much further I have yeah. to go in order yeah. to, to sustain this. Um, and, and like if you ask me what's next, where are you going, who knows, I don't know. Um, I never expected uh, acclaim or fame or two-star reviews from New York Times and mm-hmm. all of that. And then yep. 13 best restaurant, best restaurant in the country. And I kept saying, like, they're talking about us, really? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, very early on when Sofra opened at some point, I came out of Subway to come to work and completely dazed. And somebody said, good morning, chef. And I kept walking. And at some point, I'm like, it's chef. Chef, <laughs> they mean me. Oh, by the time the guy was gone and I had turned around, I said, I'm so sorry. I just don't see myself But how chef. beautiful is that? For mm-hmm. somebody who was a home cook, and you know, I hear this in the, in the food industry more, that there's this line between what, what really makes someone a chef. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and so to not come from those traditional yeah. lines um, for 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 a chef and they, to be yeah. seen in that oh. level. But, you know, it, gift, still is, right? it is an incredible gift and uh, it still is still they you have to earn it like yes. anything you oh, have absolutely. to earn it. And um, but I'm very clear what kind of a chef I am. Mm-hmm. I am not a trained chef. Yes. And I carry that. It trained in an industrial setting. Right. Mm-hmm. But I know my shit. I know <laughs> yeah. exactly what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. I have a vision. And not even the best chefs like Michelin stars or amazing chefs can deter me from what I mm-hmm. want to do. I love it. 
thank God it's my own restaurant because otherwise I would be just smothered to the floor by yeah. this notion that you are not even from the industry. You don't even know your right. things mm-hmm. and you can't even like expedite properly. And I know all of that. You do. But, and, but I also know who I am. And thank God for everything. You bring extremely qualified people and you take care of them mm-hmm. and they help you and you help them. They help you. Mm-hmm. And we all grow together. And mm-hmm. uh, I still have a long way, but I don't even go by the so-called industry standards mm-hmm. anymore. And to the point yeah. that I was just so, I am just floored by the stuff that happens. Like when, when I was picked as one of the chefs that cooked for Met Gala, mm-hmm. um, Marcus Simonson called me last right, April. And uh, I sent an email that Marcus Samuelson wants to talk to you, and mm-hmm. I was just baffled. I kept mm-hmm. looking at this name, this amazing <laughs> chef. What business do I have with him? What does he want from me? I was just like, my mind was racing. So I pick up the phone, and here is Marcus, and very bubbly, loving. He's a very warm person. And he says, yeah, Marcus, like you. And I'm like, yeah. And he says, you know who I am? I'm like, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. But I'm like still thinking. And he says, you know, we want to consider you for, for Met Gala. Mm-hmm. And I'm silent. And he says, you know what Met Gala is? <laughs> 35 years in New York City, I do know what you Met do? Gala okay. is. Cause yeah, I, was gonna... I just don't know what business I have in Met Gala. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> and he was like laughing. And he said, you are like this chef. And I'm like, no, no, no. You just like repeat that again. So I'm not like mishearing oh, this. But wow. this is... And things are keep dropping on my lap. It's that's beautiful. Some of it, I would say, is is a lot of it is love, but a lot of it is the energy. Once you believe mm-hmm. in yourself, yeah. yeah, I think others start believing you too. Um, I think most of us first have to combat our own demon and our own fear, the insecurity. I've had so much of it from the way I look to the way I talk yes. to the way I use English to the way I live, all of it. I can I can count. And also, even my cooking, no matter how many mm-hmm. people tell me it's amazing, yeah. still that voice, it's the own voice, still I have that. Once you overcome some of it, yeah. doors start opening. Yeah. The more you overcome on your own issues and insecurities and fears and the more doors open. How do you get rid of that voice? How do you quiet that voice? Because we all have that. You listed yours. It's almost as if you were with us at lunch today. Yeah, we talked about at lunch today. And, and, you know, how do you have strategies of how to get rid of that voice or quiet it so that you can overcome it? Um, I don't really, but what I remember many years ago Mm -hmm. from my own experience, and that's been my motto since I remember even as a, many years ago, I went back to Iran and Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to run and my, I was in a serious training program and my father told me, really, it's like the peak of revolution is war, women don't run. Yeah. And and I'm like, I need to run. So Mm -hmm. in order for me to to do my training, I would wake up at 4 a.m. sometimes. So it's dark out. It's dark, very dark. And I was running with all kinds of like little knife in my pocket just because like I was just running in my neighborhood. And one day I kept hearing a voice behind me. So it's like mm-hmm. almost like somebody with bicycle or something. Mm-hmm. I would have stopped. In my my scared yeah. mind at that point, I thought he stopped or she's. And then I ran a little bit. I thought he ran. I oh. ran faster. So at some point I said, 
enough of this crap. I turned around and ran towards him. Next thing, a poor man fell on the street <gasps> with his bicycle. It was an old neighbor. He was going oh. in for his morning prayer. I oh. scared the shit out of him. Oh, so instead of me running the fear behind me and be scared, oh. I run towards it mm. and I oh, face I it. That. I just... And I do the same thing here. I was I was mm. having a nervous break. I really had a full-on mm-hmm. nervous breakdown just before opening Sofre. Mm. I do not recall 48 hours of where I was. Mm-hmm. I passed out in my own apartment. Mm. and uh, But I woke up, cleaned mm. up. I kind of realized that I lost a day and a half, almost two days. Mm-hmm. Where wow. was I? And I woke up, showered, went and bought some candle, and I wrote to my sous chef and announced an opening. I was so scared of opening. Oh. The mm-hmm. only way to combat it, just open the damn just thing. Go to yeah, just, run just towards your fear. Run towards it. How bad mm-hmm. can it get? Yeah, right. No worse than losing two days and not remembering them. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's that's just an incredible phenomenal. story. Can you talk a little bit about how you, you think about your ancestors or how they play into your... Yeah, you're cooking huge all all the time, all the time. And recently, I lost my father. Oh, so he, uh, my amazing sorry. living father. Now he's with me all the time. Yes. but yes. Um, he's even with my brother. We were talking about him today. How much he is daily, literally part of my life. Now. Very present for you. Very present. And uh, but That's before amazing. my father, there were all these women were in my mm-hmm. like. Yeah. My great-grandmothers from both sides, my grandmothers from both sides, my uh, step-aunt, so many amazing women. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote a poem. I didn't really write a poem. I'm not much of a literary person. Mm-hmm. I scribbled down in Farsi, and a dear friend of mine who is very articulate and eloquent in, in our language, she turned it into a poem for mm-hmm. me, a little tribute to all these incredible women in my life just before opening Sofre. And that little mm-hmm. poem... It's written in Farsi. It's just for me in a yeah. wall. And um, right now I, I'm not in a daily morning schedule, but I was uh, the first two or three years I was showing up every morning very mm. early with my team. I would light a candle mm. and I would ask all of us to sit quiet, uh, the whole morning team. I don't know what they were doing, but I was calling every single one of them one to of the us. table and ask them for support, oh, ask them for guidance. I still do, mm-hmm. but I am not often in the kitchen very early anymore. Well, so I'm glad I about that. Get <laughs> some rest. I'm, I'm still there at yeah. 10, 10, 10, 30, yeah. but it's, I'm no longer start at 8 anymore. Right. So they sometimes meditate without me, but um, or I meditate at home, but... Definitely. I recall my ancestors daily, mm. all the time. You set that intention, and then that poem is downstairs, isn't yeah. it? It's in the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's what well, and you, Yeah, and then yeah. you bring in all that, I know. Yeah. So I, I just have a, a quick question. In terms of, you know, when you, when you were thinking back to the guests that you served at, at the homeless shelter, mm-hmm. and then the guests you serve every day at Sofre, mm-hmm. what, what have been some of the things that have stayed in terms of your approach to f- those two platforms to offer your yeah. your food and and what how has it changed with Sofre? Yeah, it, in the beginning it was very hard because yeah. um, I again I'm a perfectionist. When yeah. I was just offering food, yeah. uh, I'm just offering everything I have. I still do everything I have with an extra pressure in the restaurant. Yeah. They are paying guests, and I have I still have a little bit of 
um, little bit of insecurity of like pleasing, making sure everything's mm-hmm. fine. Sure. Um, but when you offer your food um, to uh, frontline workers, I still have this incredible notes coming from them of uh, how much they miss our food. Mm-hmm. You just go, I, I don't need to like blow their mind. I'll just go and give them a nice comfort food. And that's the kind of food I personally love. Mm-hmm. I don't like this Michelin incredible like no. dishes. And I, you know, I'm perfectly happy with a beautiful bowl of rice that mm-hmm. is well done mm-hmm. and a nice bowl of yogurt next to it. So mm-hmm. not that I was serving this type of food for frontline workers, yeah. but it was that idea. Yeah, yes. It was simplicity. It was so mm-hmm. freeing to yeah. cook with no agenda. Sofre, it's a little bit of added added mm-hmm. stress yeah. maybe or a daily like you need to keep it up mm-hmm. I need to impress people and I try not to think about it and I honestly don't occasionally when there is an event or something those mm-hmm. whole stresses come back like again. the Met Gala or something mm-hmm. it would have been a little stressful yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have a gown did you have to wear a gown I wouldn't I, have a I gown an and I would be scared to figure out what to feed those people yeah. I had an incredible <laughs> Uh, you should see my. I really, I loved my. Love to see that because photos. I, I wore my country in my back. Oh, I love that. I just literally oh, wore Iran's God. map on my body. Oh my God, and, and that's outstanding. That was very symbolic what for a me. Huge moment. It was huge moment, and I'm glad my father was there too. Oh, it's mm. beautiful. I love that. Mm. <sighs> yeah, my father. Uh, he told me he was very proud of that moment. It was. It was mostly for my father and my country. Yeah, so I love that. That was the whole Met Gala in one side, having a chance of wearing my country yeah. on me. And oh. it was a very, like, very, very conscious, very symbolic yeah. gesture and very meaningful. Yeah. I treasure that for the rest of my life. Yeah. But aside from all these, yeah, I, I try not to... to get wrapped up that I have a restaurant yeah. or these are paying guests or somebody might be a food critic or whatever. Right, right, right. I give my best every single day. Yes. Everybody. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing I could do. And if my best didn't fit somebody's That's okay. That's yep. okay. I really didn't have anything more to offer. Yeah, that's a I great God, it's so beautiful. Oh, I love that. And is your mother still alive? Yes. Oh, yes. I love that. Yes, she is. Is she in Iran? She is. Yeah. yeah. Does she come here? I hope I can bring her now. I hope so too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be a blessing. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. sure would. Okay, wow, listen, what Gina. A... What did I tell you? Is she amazing? Tears flowing and everything. I know. I, I know. I teared up too. Beautiful. Thank you Thank for you the story. So much. What a gift. I love it. Was it. A, yeah. it was wonderful. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, Thank you. Be. Pleasure. Let's go. <laughs> <Bye now. laughs> Thank you, Nassim. Sure, my pleasure. for joining our VIP conversation. And please visit us at our website, www.loauncork.com. See you soon.